And now we get to hear from Ron again. Ron probably needs no introduction, but Ronald Gray, I always forget, Director of Missions Growth. Did I get that right? Wow, I did it right. Of, of IOM, International Outreach Ministries. He'll tell you a little bit more about that. Ron's been coming to speak at Abundant Life uh, for over 20 years and which is why he probably needs no introduction. But Ron's a great friend of our congregation. And the other thing about Ron, he always, he always, no pressure, he always brings a word for us right now. Welcome, Ronald Gray. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate that wonderful introduction. Good morning, ALC. Good to be with you. We had a great time with the men and enjoyed uh, the fellowship that we had together and ministry there. And um, God's been working in a lot of different ways to give you a little report on some mission uh, activities. Last year, we were able to start traveling again after uh, COVID. Uh, some of the guys were asking me at the meeting if I ever took a sabbatical. I said, I never took a sabbatical until covid uh, one of my friends said he didn't know that when he was praying for me to have a sabbatical that it was going to shut down the entire world. Uh, I said, I, I, I don't think it, we, we quite fit into that. But nevertheless, um, we were unable to travel a lot in 2021. But last year we were able to start traveling, went to Kenya and, and uh, to our school there. We have nine schools now that train pastors around the world. We have two in Kenya we have one in Uganda. We have in Senegal, Zambia, Democratic Republic of the Congo. We have one in India, two in Mexico, and one in Cuba. And so one of the things that I stay busy doing is uh, traveling to those different places and teaching pastors. We graduated just from Kenya, over 4,000 pastors now that are making a difference in that country. This year, uh, one of the great testimonies is that uh, they had their elections, and for the first time in probably over 35 years, they had absolutely no violence. And I believe it was mainly because of Christians praying and being together, and they're uniting together, and they're not at each other's throats, and working together and seeking the Lord. And so it was a great, great um, time to see what was taking place. Uh, I actually was in... Kenya, when they announced, uh, the Supreme Court announced, uh, who was going to be the president. And so I was really glad that there was no violence because I was there and watching it. And, uh, we took a team, uh, actually from Dwayne Higginson's, uh, group. He has a, a ministry called Team 144 where they train in Krav Maga self-defense martial arts and they teach, uh, uh, many of our missionaries around the world how to deal with self-defense. Um, and of course they're always looking at me and saying, you're, you're not part, part of that, are you? And I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, it's pretty obvious that, uh, I don't fit into the Krav Maga martial arts group. Um, but I do get them there and I get them back. And for that, they are grateful. And so I do have my place and my position in that, but we had a great time uh, in September. I was just there in, like I said, in Kenya, uh, ministering there at several different places. We have a, a missionary couple, uh, Ken and Gracie Odiambo, and uh, they work in the Kabira slum. There's more than one million people that live in that slum, and the, all the houses are made from tin. 
and just side by side. But God is moving in that place and God is touching people. And so we were able to minister with them. And then I did a regional pastor's conference while I was there. I leave on Tuesday for, for um, uh, Cambodia. I will be in Cambodia with Michael McCarty. Uh, we have 35 missionaries who rescue women and children uh, from uh, human trafficking. And so once a year, we take them to a little place uh, away from the city and give them a little time off from being in the, all the nasty stuff that they're involved in. And we have a couple of services where we just minister to the missionaries. And so we just talk to them and encourage them. Uh, we have some uh, personal time with them to pray with them. And uh, so we'll be in Cambodia. And then we'll be in uh, Korea. We have a missionary couple uh, who ministers to a place north of South Korea. You can figure that out. Uh, y'all are smart people. Uh, and so we will be with them for a couple of days as well. And then I'm back uh, in um, uh, for a couple of weeks. And then I go back to Kenya again. And I will be uh, teaching at our school in Katali, Kenya. And teaching on Christ's kingdom and the family. And for the first time ever, my darling wife Sharon is going with me. And so uh, we have another couple that is traveling with us as well. And we'll be teaching there for a week. And so we leave November the 4th. And so uh, uh, pray for her, but pray for me. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, we got to take care of her and make sure everything goes right so that she'll go again sometime. So, uh, so God is, is, is working. I'm very thankful uh, for those uh, those opportunities. In December, I'll be back in Cuba. I've been in Cuba twice this year. I went in March and I went in July. In July, I had an experience that I never had before. I flew back into Miami and Homeland Security stopped me and took me into a little back room and grilled me. And I was detained officially. And so that was a brand new experience that you don't want to have. Um, and so they took my phone, they went through my phone, they went through a bunch of processes, uh, asked me a hundred questions about why I was in Cuba and what I was doing there and what was happening there. And I answered all of their questions. And when uh, the Homeland Security officer handed me back my phone and my passport, he got up very close to me, not very loudly, but he handed me my passport and my phone and he said, thank you for what you do. And I was very grateful for that response. And so uh, we went to Cuba. Some of you know that the uh, hurricane that went into Florida also devastated Cuba. And uh, we've been able to take, uh, send thousands of dollars over the last uh, year or so into Cuba. We took some money uh, to them when I was there in March and in July. We brought them toothbrushes. Uh, one of the, our, our translator told us that their whole family was having to use one toothbrush and boil it after each use. And so, listen, guys, no matter how bad we have it here, Trust me, it's a lot worse than a lot of other places. And so I'll be going back in December, and we always take a couple of suitcases of uh, materials and, and various things to help them and to be able to support them. And, and so it's because of 
you and others that uh, stand with us and help me to do what I do. And I'm very grateful for that. I, I, I appreciate those that sow into us and help us to be about the Father's business because without you, I couldn't do it. And so I'm very grateful for that. I've just written a brand new book last year. Uh, it's called An Adventure in Obedience. Um, it's available on the table. Uh, we laughed yesterday. Jim uh, Newsom was here and he gave his away. And I said, I, I appreciate that, Jim, but I'm not. Uh, I'm going to sell mine. Um, and actually what I'm going to do is, is because I'm taking my wife, uh, I've never done that before again to Kenya. All the proceeds from book sales will go to help me to take Sherrod uh, to Kenya. And so I also, some of you are new and may not have my first book called Enter to Worship, Exit to Serve. Uh, I don't know if Larry got that officially from my book with the, the signs out here that, that you enter, but that's the name of my book, Enter to Worship, Exit to Serve. And God has used it. It's been translated into about eight different languages now and is available all over the place. And so, by the way, my book is also available on Amazon as an ebook if you're interested in that. Uh, or if you can't get it today, you can buy the book uh, through Amazon. And it really just talks about the fact that at 19 years old, I said yes to God. And I never dreamed that that would mean flying almost 3 million air miles and traveling to 56 countries uh, multiple times and flying around the world and doing what God has called me to do. But God has been gracious. And so there's a lot of stories. Uh, it's not a great theological book. It's an encouraging book. It's a book that says, get off your seat and do something. I appreciated the song. If You can't do everything, but do something. And so that's the premise there, and there's a lot of funny stories, uh, because I've had a lot of funny stuff happen to me over the years. And so uh, it's a, it's there on the table. There's a free little pamphlet that Larry was part of uh, with uh, Michael Peters, the doxology confession, uh, that they helped to write. And it's just a, a premise about five different things that the church believes. It's free. And so you can uh, pick that up at the uh, after the service this morning as well. And then I'm, I'll be leaving in January. I'm leading a, uh, my fourth tour to Israel. Uh, and so I've got quite a team going. I have about three spots left. That's it. Uh, it's just been filling up. And so I've got almost 50 people that are going. And so if you've wanted to go to the Holy Land, we're also taking an extension to Rome and to Istanbul, Turkey. And as I tell people, as I've told you this before when I was doing another tour, yes, you can go with a television preacher if you want to. But I'm telling you, if you go with me, it's fun. Um, because I do fun. And so uh, if you'd like to go with us, we'd love to have you. we got a couple of spots Um left in that. And so I just ask you to pray for us as we are about the father's business, doing the things that God has called us to do. God is building his church all over the land. And I'm grateful just to be a small part of that. Thank you. Thank you, ALC, for standing with us and praying for us and, and uh, supporting us in so many different ways. Thank you, Larry and Ann. Appreciate y'all's friendship and uh, through the years and, and uh, allowing us to come and minister the word of God. All right, let's uh, let's share the word. Turn in your Bible to Zephaniah chapter three, verse two. Everybody been reading Zephaniah this week? Uh, no, uh, page eight hundred and forty-six in my Bible. <laughs> Zephaniah chapter three, verse two. 
She has not obeyed his voice. She has not received correction. She has not trusted in the Lord. She has not drawn near to her God. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this house. Thank you, God, for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the worship. Thank you, God, for those, Lord, that have gathered here today, Lord, to have ears to hear what your spirit would say. We honor you and we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible teaches us in the New Testament that we can learn from the examples given to us in the Old Testament. How many of you know that experience is not necessarily the best teacher? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of things I just soon not have experienced. And so I just, I'd rather learn by example and learning from what other people have done or not done. And in this particular passage of scripture, it is talking about what brought destruction to the city of Jerusalem. When it's talking about she, it is talking about the city of Jerusalem. And so it's saying four things that basically brought destruction to the city and caused the city to fail and to fall. And I believe that we can learn from this example of this verse here of things in our own life that I believe that will bring destruction to us as well. God wants to teach us something. God wants us to move in the place that he's called us to. And so we want to talk about these particular four things that I believe can bring destruction to our life as well. First of all, it says she has not obeyed his voice. Well, Rob just kind of helped lead in this morning with his talking about obedience. Because I believe obedience is necessary. The Bible says in 1 Samuel that obedience is better than sacrifice. God expects us to obey. The Bible even teaches us in James, it says that we're not just to be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers also. So we're to do what the word says. We're to do what he says. You say, well, I don't understand. Listen, you understand enough of it. (laughs) You know, I don't concentrate on the parts I don't understand. It's the parts I do understand that bother me. Uh, It's the things that I read that I, it's very clear. It's not misunderstood. We know what it's telling us. And so I believe that what God is looking for is simple obedience. You know, as I've traveled through the world, one of the things that I get from a lot of people when things are going bad around us is, why doesn't God do something? (laughs) And my response is, what do you want God to do? I mean, he's already done everything that he really needs to do. I mean, he made the world. (laughs) He keeps it running, thank God. (laughs) With just a little bit of error, things would collide. Things would be falling out of the sky. But everything keeps moving the way that it does. So God created the heavens and the earth. He's given us his word that has sustained uh, through all these years that it has not changed. It's still the word of Almighty God. Hallelujah. He's given us his son. The blood that we sang about this morning, the life that's in the blood of Jesus Christ. He's given us his son. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us a future and a hope. What else do we need for the Lord to give us? What God is looking for, and the question is, is what are we going to do? The question is, is what are we doing? What are we going to do with what God has given to us? I think all too often we've become spectators instead of participants. God just simply wants obedience from us. 
The title of my book is An Adventure in Obedience. I never dreamed when I said yes to God that I was going to do all the things that God's allowed me to do. I didn't. Ha- I don't have a Bible college education. I didn't go to seminary. <laughs> I don't have any degrees, honorary or otherwise. I have nothing to offer except me. And I said, God, here am I. Send me. And the Lord <laughs> thought I meant it. <laughs> and so he took me up on it and he started sending me. And I thought, wow, how about that, God? I didn't know that I could do that. He said, you can do all things through me. God makes a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And so I believe that God wants us not just to be spectators, but he wants us to participate. We are not an audience. We're an army for God. You know, the truth is, is a lot of people talk about things, but they don't actually do anything. Not, not y'all, of course, those listening this morning. You know, and a lot of times we try to live our life vicariously through other people. We think because somebody else has done it, we've done it. Yesterday, a lot of you were watching sports on TV. And when your team made a touchdown, you say, we did it. No, no, you did not do it. You weren't even close. You had your hand in a bowl of popcorn up to your elbow with a large Coke sitting beside it. You did not participate at all. (laughs) And yet, you jumped up and said, yes, we win. (laughs) No, they won. You watched. They did it. You were watching. And so what God is looking for is us to be involved in what we're, what's going on. There was an old hymn that I grew up singing, trust and obey, for there's no other way. I believe that God wants obedience in our lives. He wants us simply to do what he wants, what he's called us to do. The word tells us there are commandments, there are laws, there are things that he says that he expects from us. And the truth is, is that, that disobedience is sin. Now, you, you know, growing up the way that I did, you got to say sin right. Sin. You know? Sinners. You know? Those sinners out there. Those other people. But the Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So it's not just doing bad things. It's not doing anything. It's not following the commandments of God. It's not following... What the Lord has spoken to us. Years ago, I went to a preacher's meeting, as I'm apt to do periodically, and because of the things that I do with missions and otherwise. And so I went, and I was sitting on the back row of um, of this particular meeting, and, and I wasn't really tuned in for a while. But all of a sudden, I realized that the guest speaker was talking to a whole bunch of preachers about sin in their life. And I, I thought for a moment, I thought, bless his heart. He's got his notes mixed up. He thinks he's at the meeting next week with all those sinners. And he's preaching about sin. And I said, I can't believe that he's preaching about sin to a bunch of preachers. And the Holy Spirit then spoke to me and said, he's talking to you. And I said, I don't want to have that conversation. And he said, (laughs) I said, God, I haven't been doing anything really bad. 
And the Holy Spirit said, you haven't done anything at all. I said, I don't want to have this conversation. (laughs) And about that time, he's doing what preachers do. He's saying, come on down to the altar. None that was saying about this one, come on down to the altar. I'm like, I can't go to the altar. I'm a traveling minister. If I go down to the altar and admit I've got sin in my life, I'll be washed up in this whole state, in this whole region. I mean, I can't admit that. And then the Holy Spirit said, do you care more what they think or what I think? I said, I don't want to have this conversation. (laughs) And I said, God, I care about what you're thinking. He said, well, go on down. Now, I wish I could tell you that I just stepped out there and walked down. But no, I didn't quite do that. I got out there to the middle of the aisle. I looked down and found me a point at the end. Thought about how many steps it would be. Closed my eyes and started walking. And hoping that because I couldn't see them, maybe they couldn't see me. And I got down to the altar and I repented. Because the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. And so I said, God, I feel so much better. I said, Lord, I know I may be washed up in this state, but God, I'm so glad I'm clean before you. I said, God, I wonder if anybody else came down. And so I just said, God, I'm going to peek. And so I just opened up my eyes and the whole altar was filled with preachers. I said, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) God wants us to be obedient. What he's looking for is just simply do what he's called you to do. Be what he's called you to be. Go where he's called you to go. It's not about doing what somebody else does. It's about following the path that God has put into your heart. About leading you in the place. I find people all over the place that I feel like so many times that they play games with God. We fool ourselves into giving things instead of giving ourselves. God is expecting us to do what he's called us to do. But we think if I just give a little bit more money, if I'll just say a little more thing. And we don't really obey what God has called us to obey. But what God is looking for is obedience. It's just following the path that he's put before you to say yes to God. Yes, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. God, my life is not my own. I've been bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I give myself away. I give myself to you, oh God. Lord, to serve you, to follow after you, to hear your voice and to do your will. That should be the desire of every one of us. And it doesn't mean, again, sometimes we have this feeling, well, if I say that, uh, you know, God's going to send me to Africa. Well, he might. (laughs) He did me. You know, there used to be a song that said, please don't send me to Africa. Uh, I never sang that song. (laughs) Maybe I should have. (laughs) But, you know, I'm just saying that what God is looking for is obedience to him. You know, So many times, (laughs) I think the church has gotten involved in a mentality today of, (laughs) we we only like to do the things that make us happy. And so when we even read the scriptures, sometimes we say, oh yeah, that's good. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shake it together, running over. Hallelujah. Let's read that one out loud. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Let's get just pass on by that one. (laughs) 
Blessings will come to you. We love that one. And then we read the next page. And it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto. Oh, let's get, let's just skip that one. And so what happens is, is we read the things that we like and do away with it. You can't do that. It's obedience to him. I like what Rob would say this. You don't, you don't always like to pray for all the people in authority, but it's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. And what God is looking for is people who follow his commandments. It's not just the 10, by the way. <laughs> There's a lot more than the 10. There's a whole lot of things that God tells us that if we do these things, if we follow his word, if we obey his word, that God will bless us. That doesn't mean that money will fall out of the sky with sacks. I wish it would, but that's not what he says. But he says that God will bless us with spiritual blessings. I want to tell you, when you look at me, I'm a blessed man. I'm blessed in my going. I'm blessed in my coming. I'm blessed with the best friends in the world. I'm blessed with churches. I've been doing this for 48 years. And if God will help me, I'm going to do it. I was talking to my sister this morning. Listen, I said it before. When they bury me, they're going to say, he died on the way. Because <laughs> I'm going to do what I do on the way to something. I'm going to follow the Lord with everything that is within me. God wants us to be obedient. Hallelujah. Number two. She did not receive correction. Oh, let's just skip that one. <laughs> well... One of the great failures of Israel was that they were hard-hearted, stubborn, and stiff-necked. Uh, that doesn't apply to any of us, thank God. Uh, we're all pliable. <laughs> we're all, we're all just, yes, God, I'm, I'm just happy to be here, God. And we never want to receive correction. A great failure of ministry today is that we've lightened up the Word of God, I think, because we're afraid that people won't receive correction. You know, uh, you know, sometimes I've had people through the years. <laughs> I, I, I've been doing this, like I said, a long time. People come up to me and they say, Brother Ron, if you see anything in my life that's not what it's supposed to be, please tell me. I found out they were lying. <laughs> <laughs> I found that out because I told them and they left the church. It sounded, it sounded good, but it was a lie. A lie. I can't believe it. One lady left the church. I said, why'd you leave? She said, you know, I said, I don't know. She said, you know, I said, I don't know. She said, you know, she left. I still don't know. You know, the truth is, is you make people mad. Sometimes people say they want to be corrected, but they really don't want to be corrected. They don't want to hear discipleship means doing things that you don't want to do to become the person you want to be. Everybody wants to be, be a disciple, but nobody wants to be disciplined. They're all the same word. It all comes with the same thing. You can't be a disciple unless you're disciplined. And God wants to bring correction to us. You know, Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 says, The man of God is thoroughly furnished. And it talks about bringing correction. And then it even goes as far as to say, To give instruction in righteousness. 
you know, the, the reality is we say nobody can tell me what to do. I got news for you. There are people that should be able to tell us what to do. Not everybody. I don't believe everybody should be God's policeman for my life. <laughs> there are some people that feel that call. Okay. But I believe that there are people that speak into my life. People that help me to be more of what I need to be. I have an accountability to people that I trust with my life. And if something is wrong, I expect them to tell me. Because I hate to tell us all, but we can't always see ourselves very clearly. (laughs) We think, uh, not y'all of course, but those listening by live stream. uh, We think we're perfect. I got news for you. We ain't perfect. You know, we're, we're the bride of Christ and I believe we're in the bridal chambers preparing for the marriage. I believe that God is helping us to be ready without spot, without blemish, but it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of time. I preached at a church in Georgia years ago and it was a big church and probably seven, eight hundred people there. The pastor was a big old guy, looked like a bulldog. He was mean. And I mean, and so, you know, I've been preaching here, like Larry said, for over 20 years. I love y'all, and I think y'all love me. If y'all don't, you you act like it, so that's good. It works. Uh, (laughs) And, but sometimes I preach to hard churches. I preach to them churches, boy, that I've told y'all before, I feel like I've been the preacher Olympics. You know, that they're going to hold up little signs on the front row, like (laughs) 6.7, 8.8. I keep praying for 9.9, looking for that, you know, trying to get there. And uh, and this church kind of folded their arms and they're like, we've heard them all, give it your best shot. And I got nervous. I hate to tell you all, but it's not always as easy as you think it is standing up here sharing. And sometimes you get nervous and things get discombobulated. And I started repeating myself and I knew I was doing it, but I couldn't stop. So the next morning he calls me into his office. And we really still had a pretty good service. God's good to us even when we mess up. And he called me into his office and he said, Ron, I listened to your message last night. I was thinking, wow, it was better than I thought it was. He listened to it again. He said, you said, friends, I want you to know 148 times. I said, you counted my mistakes? He said, yeah. He said, you need to work on that. I did what a lot of Christians do. I got mad. I'd have punched him in the nose, except he was bigger than me. And so I walked out, slammed the door. I'm going to my car, and I thought, I can't believe that he treated me, God's man of faith and power, like that and said something awful to me and hurt my feelings. And again, the Holy Spirit said to me, you needed that. I said, I don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> I said, I'm not going to have to do what I think I'm going to have to do, am I? <laughs> he said, yes. I knew I was going to have to ask for forgiveness. Mm. So I walked back to the office. The door was kind of partially open because when I slammed it, it didn't shut. It just lowered. And I opened up the door. And here was this big old man leaned across his desk, weeping. 
And he was crying because he had told me something I didn't want to hear to help me become the person that God wanted me to be. It was not an easy thing to bring correction. But the Holy Spirit said to me, if you keep saying, friends, I want you to know 148 times in every message, you're going to have a very short ministry. It's not going to last the distance. And so he did something that I needed. He corrected me. Let me tell you something. The desire of our heart should be for every one of us to be the very best that we can be. When I say things to you in messages, I'm not telling you this because I want you to fail. I want you to succeed. I want you to be everything that God wants you to be. And I want you to put aside those things that hinder us and become everything that God wants us to be. That should be the desire of our heart. Amen? Number three, she trusted not in the Lord. The Bible says in the scriptures that we all love in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. I believe that we need to be a people who trust in the Lord completely. A lot of times we say that He is sufficient, but our actions speak louder than our words. You know, I stake my whole life in Jesus. I don't have a plan B. (laughs) If this don't work out, I'm in a mess. Because I put all my life in his hands. I said, God, my life is yours. Whatever you want me to be, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, my life is yours. To trust the Lord. To be in a place where God will take care of us. I could tell you story after story. One of my favorite stories is years ago I was had preached at a church and and I was on my way to another church to preach and, and the pastor came and he slipped a check in the, in the window of the car. And of course it was a check. And so it wasn't any cash involved in it. And all of a sudden I realized I don't have enough. I, I looked in my pocket. I got $2. And I said, Oh no. I said, I don't know. If, I, 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 I don't have enough money. I can't, I don't have enough money to get gas to get to the next church. But the Lord just said, trust me. So I drove up into a gas station, and this was back when they used to pump it for you, so you know how long ago that was. And so I said, two dollars worth. <laughs> and the guy walked over, and he put the gas pump in, and and I'm just praying. And all of a sudden, I hear the pump going, and I looked, and it was way past two dollars. I said, Stop! Because I was afraid he was going to siphon off some of the gas and get some of my $2 worth. And he walked over to my car. He said, are you a Christian? <laughs> and I thought, do I have a sign? <laughs> he said, the Lord told me to fill your tank up with gas. I said, thank you, Lord. He didn't even take my $2 worth. I was able to go by McDonald's and buy a hamburger and Coca-Cola. <laughs> Woo! God is good. Trust in the Lord. Believe that God will take care of you. People ask me after 9-11, when I get back on a plane, I was on a plane two weeks after 9-11. Because they said, are you, how, how can you do that? I says, because I trust in the Lord. My faith and my confidence is in Him. I believe that no matter what happens, I believe that God will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And I think today in our society, 
We trusted everything. I love that song. That again, that you sang this morning, Don, I, I, told, I turned around to Larry and said, Linda Shazo wrote that song. Some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots. I love it when God has a plan. The people, we don't know, y'all don't know what I'm going to preach, but everything just kind of falls in place the way that it needs to. Some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but I trust in the name of the Lord, my God. Oh, a lot of people trust in a lot of other stuff. But I trusted him. Three years ago, I had open heart surgery. A lot of people said, well, Ron, it's about time to retire, isn't it? I said, I, I don't think so. I still feel pretty good. My doctor told me this year. <laughs> he said, Ron, he said, you're really doing good. He said, your heart's doing good. All your vitals are good. Your, your cholesterol is good. Your blood pressure is good. Of course, then he looked at me and said, now you're still overweight. I said, thanks, doc. Appreciate those comforting words. <laughs> I said, of course, that didn't start yesterday. I said, that started at birth. <laughs> but you know what? I still trust in the Lord. I still trust God every day. I make my decisions not based upon what I see, but I base my, my decisions upon my faith in Him. My confidence that He's got everything under control. I believe that God is still God. Hallelujah. And I believe that God will do what he said he would do. And the last thing that I share with you this morning is it says that she drew not near to her God. You know, it's always been one of those little dilemmas in my, my own personal theology in a sense that I know that God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. His promise to us is I'll never leave you or forsake you, but I'll be with you always to the end of the world. And yet, the scripture says in James, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And so there's a, there's a paradox here where he's everywhere and yet the scripture is filled with admonitions. Seek the Lord while he may be found. The Bible says, to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then everything else will be added unto you. And so there's a principle in the scripture. That while his presence is everywhere. There is something in us. That has to draw close to him. In our spirit, in our hearts. that says God. I want more of you. I need more of you. My desire is to you. My desire is to your presence. Again, in the scripture it says that in his presence, there is peace. And yet I know people that aren't filled with peace, even though he's everywhere. So in other words, he's there. But there's something about moving spiritually into his presence. That's what worship does. It moves us, not the natural body, but our spirit man into a place of his presence. Because I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of things I don't know theologically, but I know this. There's healing in his presence. There's life in his presence. There's joy in his presence. There's goodness in his presence. 
There's abundance in His presence. There's hope in His presence. There's every good thing that is found in His presence. And the longer and the more that I can get into His presence, the greater my life becomes. Because I found out it's not about all this other stuff sometimes that we get involved in. It's about being in the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Psalms 91, it tells us that we find ourselves in the secret place of the Most High. It helps us to understand that there's something about entering. The Bible says entering into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And so I believe that there's something about the presence of the Lord that changes us. It concerns me today that a lot of times I feel like we stay in the outer court and we never enter into his presence. What I desire more than anything else is the presence of almighty God. I don't want to just know about him. I want to have an encounter with him. I want, I want to have an interaction with his presence. I don't believe that you can keep yourself from prayer and Bible study and fellowship with others without missing what God has for you. All of the things that we do are for the purpose of bringing us into his presence because it's in his presence where you'll be healed. You'll be made whole. Because I believe in His presence, God heals our minds, our hearts, our spirit. He heals us. He makes us whole. I love that word. When Jesus touched people, He didn't just say be healed. He said be healed and be made whole. So there's a wholeness that comes through the presence of Almighty God. I desire his presence more than anything. Let me tell you, I've had some neat things in my life. I've sat with governors. I've sat with senators. I've sat with some people of great wealth. Uh, I've sat with uh, some kings and princes in Africa. I've sat with people that I never dreamed that I would sit with, but I would rather be in his presence. A few months ago, I woke up one morning singing an old song that said, I'd rather have Jesus. I hadn't even sung it in years. I don't, it just came out of my deep spirit, man. I woke up singing the song. I said, I'd rather have Jesus than have everything else that the world has to offer. I'd rather have you, oh Lord, more than anything else. That should be the desire of our heart. Stand to your feet, would you? She obeyed not the voice. She didn't receive correction. She didn't trust in the Lord. And she didn't draw near to her God. And because of it, it brought destruction to Jerusalem. God doesn't want us to be destroyed. He wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to be made 
into His image. He wants us to be in His likeness, to go from glory to glory into the image of God. Let's just bow our head and close our eyes for just a moment. On this one, I'm not going to ask you to move forward. I believe it's a personal thing between you and God. But if you've not been obedient to the Lord, I don't believe that repentance is just for those people out there somewhere. I believe it's for all of us. If we, that's you, that's me, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, forgive me. Just pray that right now in your own heart. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for things, Lord, that I knew that I was supposed to do, but I've chosen not to do it. Forgive me, Lord, for taking a different path. Forgive me, Lord, for moving in things, Lord, that I wasn't supposed to move in. Forgive me, O God, Lord, for my disobedience to you. And Lord, help me to line my heart up with you, God, and to say yes to you again. For Lord, I don't believe it's too late. For I believe that in this moment, Lord, we can start fresh. And so, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Lord, help bring correction to my life. Help me, Lord, God, Lord, not to think more highly of myself than I ought to think, but to realize, God, that I need someone to speak to me. And help me to see the things in my life that are causing me to not measure up to you. Lord, help me to trust in you. Help me to trust you, God, more than I've trusted before. Lord, I'm not trusting in horses or chariots or people or politics or anybody else. My trust is in you. For I believe you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here's what I want to do this morning, church, while you're praying and seeking the Lord. I believe his presence is here. Don, would you mind coming and getting your guitar and playing the altar song? Would you mind coming and doing that for me? At the altar of God. I was praying this last couple of days. Listen to me, church. I believe that some of us have somehow managed to do what we need to do or want to do without feeling that we need his presence. But I want to tell you something. It's his presence that makes a difference in my life. It's his presence that brings healing. It's his presence that brings peace. It's his presence that brings everything that I need. And so while Don is going to sing to us, so come to the altar. I want to do just that today. If you are here, and if you need something from the Lord that only He can do, I can't do it, only His presence can bring to your life. You're struggling with situations. It may be financial. It may be family. It may be your job. It may be physical. But I'm going to ask you today for just a moment, if you're here, I don't want to take a long time, but I just feel that some of you need to make a physical act toward His presence. And I believe that His presence will fill you. Now listen, I understand all the dynamics. You don't have to come here to get His presence. His presence is there where you are. 
But there's something about a physical move sometimes that says, I'm physically moving, but I'm also spiritually moving. And I seek you, O Lord. I'm drawing near to you, O Lord. Because I recognize today I need you more than anything else. So if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and you need something in His presence, I want you to step out. And I want you to come here to the front. And I want you just to take just a moment today to enter into His presence. Would you come? You come. Thank you, Lord. 